Rethink Happiness. We are almost done. It's been a, been a good series, been a long series, but we're on the home stretch of Rethinking Happiness. It's also part of our 60 days of spiritual growth. Pastor Rob will be back next week to uh, land the plane on this series in the final uh, thought through the Beatitudes, um, which has been really, really good. I love studying scripture and going through portions and taking our time because there's so much stuff in there. Um, through the course of this series, I've had an opportunity to interject a, a few uh, things, not necessarily part of the Beatitudes, but more challenge for you and I to grow. Um, that is, that is a, the, my heartbeat. I want each of us to grow deeper in our faith, to just begin the journey and grow deeper. And um, one of the reasons why I love baptisms, like we saw earlier, because we get to see that outward transition of, of somebody's life. Can we give a hand to those baptism candidates one more time? That was awesome. I love those moments. That's why I'm going to continue to wear the t-shirt. I have decided. These are the things that we celebrate as a church. Our goal and our mission is to help you become more like Jesus through any and every way. And, and these are some things that we have, have coming up, and, and we've mentioned it before. Starting January 9th, we're launching a second service at 9 a.m. It's our unplugged service in the activity center. Um, so you'll have the 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. 10 options. There'll be the, the message that you hear at 10 will also be in there at 9. Just a little bit kind of a different flavor of service. So if that's for you, I want you to jump in there. We'll also continue to have our 10 a.m. here and online. So welcome everybody online uh, and, uh, and in our traditions. Also at 9 a.m., we're going to have some classes, our, our discipleship um, time frame. So that'll be going kind of over the 9 a.m. unplugged service. But maybe it's for you that you want get, to get plugged into some classes and uh, uh, grow deeper in your faith. We're going to offer a lot of those beginning in January. And, and really the challenge is, will you continue the 60 days of spiritual growth into calendar year 2022? My challenge to you, to me, my family, is that will you make effort to pursue Jesus this year? Will you make effort to jump into the word of God like you've never done before? Because I, I think we're in a time where we desperately, as a church and followers of Jesus, need to fall in love with scripture more than ever. We need this stuff, amen, to see this. We, we, uh, we have rooted classes going and we're, we're doing our celebration at the end of the 10 weeks and hearing testimonies of people last Wednesday and we'll hear them again tonight in our rooted groups just of life change. It brought me to, to moments where I'm just speechless. Wow, God is good. When you pursue, he pursues right back. And we'll see him do amazing things. We're, we're uh, uh, doing these classes, and I do want to challenge you. Maybe you want to take the next step and begin teaching some of these classes, especially in our kids' area. Can I, can I just challenge you? Step up to invest in the life of a child in this church. I, I, I mean that with all of my heart. I'm not just trying to recruit more leaders. I'm saying when you start to invest in others, especially the younger generation, you're going to see God do amazing things. I am here today because of a Sunday school teacher that impacted my life. Miss Laura. She's with Jesus now. But she poured into my life every single week, and I will never forget her. I'll never forget what the foundations that she helped build. I want to challenge you. Maybe that's you. God's laying on your heart. Come talk to me. I want to find a, a way for you to serve. But, but really, this is, this is growth, and this is the challenge that we all want to, to, to pursue, but we want you to specifically pray about you and your family. What does that look like? Which is why this fall we're doing the 60 Days of Spiritual Growth. And, and in the midst of, of this sermon on the, the Beatitudes that Rob's bringing, I'm doing these, uh, these habits. 
habits that you and I need to work on to become more like Jesus. Uh, We're calling them our spiritual keystone habits. Why habits? Here's what a habit is, and I've defined it a few times. I'm going to define it again because I need you to catch this. A habit is a routine or practice performed regularly. Ready? An automatic response to a situation. We need to work on our automatic responses. When someone cuts you off, when you're driving, what is your automatic response? Don't answer that. I don't want to know. We need to work on it, don't we? These automatic responses, these these daily um, habitual things that we do. Because much of what you do, the majority of what you do every single day is not from a single decision, but a result of your habits. We need to work on them. Don't set goals in 2022. Set habits and start working on them. Because that's what's going to change your life. Uh, the, uh, the idea for this, this series within a series that I'm preaching really comes from uh, The Power of Habit, by, a book by Charles Duhigg, talking about keystone habits. These are keystone habits in our lives that when you make these changes, it affects the rest of your decisions that day. And I believe this is spiritual. When you have spiritual habits in your life, it affects every other decision. I can have the habit of not yelling at somebody who cuts me off, but where I need to start is my time with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is invited. I have a habit. Holy Spirit, be with me today. I wake up in the morning and I read scriptures. I I, I grab my cup of coffee because, you know, Jesus and caffeine equals awesome. Uh, the, you wake up and I, and, I, and I let Jesus speak to me and it affects the rest of my day. These are spiritual keystone habits. And everything else in life really rests on that and is affected by that. We talked a few weeks ago about two of the most important ones, our, our spiritual keystone habits of daily devotions and our prayer time. I think none of you would argue with me. These are the most important. We need to work on our daily time with Jesus and our constant conversations, prayer with Jesus. Last week, we talked about the spiritual keystone habit of repentance. That's a tough one because Jesus reads our mail and he he speaks to us, but we need to learn to deal with it. To introduce my uh, fourth keystone habit, I have with me a roll of toilet paper. That's right. When was the last time you heard a sermon with toilet paper? I learned in the last year and a half that I can't survive without 700 Costco-sized rolls of these in my house. How many of you are with me? Like, this is gold. It, and it's hard to find. And, and I, I know it's kind of joking. You may have heard a lot of stories about the, the importance of toilet paper. But it is hard to find, isn't it? Still hard to find. And, and, and so I did some research this week. And, and, I, and I just went online and looked at some of the things that have happened over toilet paper. I was shocked to learn that there are people in jail today over toilet paper. Like, where have we gone as a society? I, I, I watched these videos of, of, there's this one where this gal had this, um, and she, I'm sure she had a bad day, so there's a lot of things going on that I don't see, but she had this cart full like this. And somebody had no toilet paper, and she bought all of the store out. And, and, and this one person said, can I just please have one pack? And like her face turns like, not even one. Like, wow. I need my toilet paper. Uh, so it, th- these things happen. I watched somebody 
like physically slap another lady because she took the toilet paper. Like, wow. I, I will say it's not all bad because I did read one story where this gal bought the last 12-pack in a, in a drugstore. She was checking out, and there was this guy in the next uh, um, counter over uh, buying and saying, do you have anything left, please, because I'm, I'm desperate. So she buys it, cuts it open, and gives him, gives him half the rolls. They find out they're both single. They go to dinner that night, and toilet paper brings us together. <laughs> there are good stories. But... I started studying, and, and as you, if, if you know me, I like to study the psychology of these things. Why do we panic buy? Why do we panic buy? As psychologists tell us, it's because of the, the fear of the unknown. And, and if I hoard 700 packs of these, it, it really gives me this false sense of control in a bad situation. Like, I can control my future if I have 700 rolls of toilet paper. I mean, it, it, that's joking, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but, but we're all that way, aren't we? I panic by, I try to do whatever I can to control it. And the bad news is just over and over and over. Bad, bad, bad. So I got to control more, more, more. It's stressful. I, I turn on the news and it's just more fear. Here's a secret from me to you. That's never going to go away. In fact, it's just going to get worse. Because for media and, and all of these things, fear equals clicks. And we as humans get desensitized to fear. So what do they have to do? Up the level of fear in order to keep us clicking. So now instead of a rainstorm, it's a bomb cyclone. Like, right? There's some terms I'm like, where did that come from? It's got to get worse to keep us there. It, it is exhausting keeping up with this stuff. What's going to be the next pandemic uh, panic buy of, uh, is it going to be toilet paper? Is it? Crackers? It's, it's, I, I don't know. Now listen, it's okay to be, I mean, I think we should be prepared. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making fun of that because we do need to be prepared. But, but we don't need to go buy all of Costco's toilet papers in one shopping trip. We panic by because we don't understand. And that stress and that fear is overwhelming. And that's where this fourth spiritual keystone habit that I'm going to talk to you about is. It's the spiritual keystone habit of rest. Just say it. Rest. Isn't that peaceful? <sighs> I don't have to worry about how much toilet paper I have at home. Rest. I want to talk to you about rest. Because sometimes when I say rest, a lot of us will think of napping. No, napping is of God. Amen. Or, or taking a day off to binge watch a show on TV or just sit and do nothing. That's, that, that's a, an element of rest. But the rest that the Bible talks about is so much deeper than that. It's so much greater. And not only brings physical rest, but spiritual rest in the midst of the stress, chaos, worry, and fear. Rest is something that we need to discuss and put as a habit in our lives. And that is the way that God designed it. We're going to look at rest in the Old Testament. The patterns that God set up in the first few books of the Bible. Because what that tells us is the importance of rest and how, in that same model, we can apply it to our lives. What I will, kind of a little uh, side note here, what you'll find is the more that we, just, we uh, dig into the idea of rest in the Old Testament, what you'll find is it's intricately, intricately connected with the number seven. 
The number seven is a holy number. And, I, and this message is not about numbers and, and patterns, but seven is a, is a number in the Bible you'll see a lot because that seventh day is the day of rest or Sabbath. It's something that we need to take a look at. And so what you're going to see in a lot of the examples we're going to use is this number seven repeated. What is rest? How do we define rest according to Scripture? Rest is, is four things. It's many more things, but four that I want to pull out. As I prayed this week, this is what the Holy Spirit laid on my heart for you and I. What is rest according to Scripture? Number one is this. Rest is sacred time. It's sacred. Uh, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Each day, he created something different. Now, you know this story. You've been around church any length of time. I'm not telling you something you don't know. But I want you to look at this again. Genesis chapter 2, on the seventh day. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. So the creation of the heavens and earth with everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of its, his work of creation. Why does an all-powerful God need rest? He's just, he was stressed out six days. He's like, woo, I need a vacation. I need time in Hawaii. Why did God, the all-powerful, rest? Rhetorical question. He didn't need rest. You and I need rest. He did it to show us as a model the importance of that seventh day of rest. He rested as an example. God, look at me, God has intended a Sabbath day to be a non-negotiable in your life. Yes, that's right, you heard me. Non-negotiable. A day set apart for Jesus. He says that it's set apart. See, a lot of times we look at the Sabbath day as like, yeah, I'll take some time off if, if I have nothing better to do. As long as there's not a good game on TV or, yeah, I need to put in an extra day of work. Yeah, you know, stuff happens and we do need to take care of stuff. But do you have time that is sacred and set apart to God? He, said, he says in Genesis 2 that he sets it apart and declares it what? Holy. That word holy means set apart unto God. Yes, this day in, involves church. And I, I'm not trying to, to, to make a lot of rules for you. Because when we follow this, it's not another rule to follow. It's actually, listen to me, freeing. When we declare a time sacred, this is God. And I'm going to turn and I'm going to come to him. God has the seventh day of rest for you and I to follow in that model. That I know I am not superhuman and I need time not just to sleep, play video games, watch TV, but set apart as holy unto you. Do you have time where you just go to Jesus? Jesus said it this way in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Often when we don't take that Sabbath day, we think we can give ourselves rest. It's not where you're going to get it. Rest is sacred. It's when the Holy Spirit empowers you. And that's why on that day, seventh day, God rested. So rest, as the pattern in Scripture, is sacred. We need to make it a priority. Is it for you and your family? 
to gather with others and worship. To stop all the other stuff and just focus on Jesus. Rest is sacred. Number two, and I'm going to get through these quickly. Rest is refreshing. Everybody say amen to that. Rest. Rest is refreshing. It's revitalizing. Jump over to Exodus 23. Exodus 23. Here's something interesting. One of the patterns that God set up in Scripture. He says this. Exodus 23 verse 10. Plant and harvest your crops for six years, but let the land be renewed. Everybody say renewed. Renewed and lie uncultivated during the seventh year. Then let the poor among you harvest what grows on its own. Leave the rest for the wild animals to eat. The same applies to your vineyards and your olive groves. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working. This gives your ox and your donkey a chance to rest. It also allows your slaves and the foreigners living among you to be, everybody say refreshed, to be refreshed. Rest is so important. God commands us to give our land rest. Like that's a weird one, isn't it? To give our land rest. This word in some trans translations, or if you're a farmer, is to lie fallow. How many of you have heard of that term? How many of you are farmers and never heard fallow? I, okay, so I like to garden. It's kind of a hobby. But I, I read a riveting article by a professor from the San Diego State, or South Dakota State University about fallow. Wow, it was long. Um, it's important even today. What happens when, you, um, it, when your field is constantly cultivated, planted, harvest, cultivated, planted, harvest, cultivated, planted, harvest, just constantly going, is that the soil gets depleted of all the nutrients. Stuff like phosphorus and things that plants need to grow. You didn't know you were going to get a farming lesson today, did you? And, and the water in the soil gets, gets uh, uh, taken up. And you, you, what you see is the water level just starts to disappear. And so your fields begin to produce less. What, Jesus, what God is saying here is let every seventh year your land rest so it rejuvenates the, the nutrients. And in that next year what you'll see is you'll get twice the growth. You'll get more growth if we take care of our land. If the land is that important, how much more is your life? If we constantly go, we're going to run out of fuel. We're going to run out of nutrients to live spiritually and physically. A bonus one here, because look what happens when you let your land lie fallow. Just none that year. Things are going to grow anyway. I mean, you're just not going to force the land and, 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 and put the land into this work. Things are going to grow, and then you leave it for, for others to come and get. You leave it for the wild animals to come and eat. When you rest, here's just a bonus point. You have margin to be a blessing. Rest is important. When you rest. And, and it says, uh, you have six days a week to, uh, uh, to work. And the seventh, you must stop working so that those around you, and in this case, uh, those who work for you, those who, uh, uh, your animals and things, they need a day of rest too. This is, God thinks through this stuff. You and I think we're superhuman, like, just work, 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 work. Listen. And what does he say about that day when we give that day off? It's refreshing. In order to hit that next day strong. Rest is hope and strength for tomorrow. See, we have six days a, a, a week to, to what? You heard me, work. We got to work. That's how God intended it. But we need that seventh day, and, and so do those around us. 
when you set that model, your family will see it. Maybe you're an employer, your employees will, will see it. Your coworkers will see it. It's important. It's important to have time of rest. Isaiah writes it this way, and I really like it, but those who wait on the Lord, those who pause, God, I'm going to wait on you, shall what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We love this scripture because we wait on the Lord, but what you understand is wait on the Lord in order to what? Keep going. It's refreshing and revitalizing to keep us going tomorrow because you don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Rest is so important to keep us revitalized. And number three is this. Rest is trusting. Rest is trusting that God will provide. Back in Exodus, the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness and they were complaining. I don't have enough food. We're all going to die. I want to go back to Egypt. They had food there. And so what does God do? You know the story. He provides manna and quail. And he writes this. To, to Moses and the people, he says in, in chapter 16 of Exodus, verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need. Ready? For that day. It's a trust test. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual on the seventh day. Trust that God will provide. You think the Israelites could do it? You think you and I could do it? See, God provided, and it was kind of a test because he said, I'm going to provide for you each and every day what you need for that day. Do you trust me? Do you trust that I'm going to provide today? Do you trust that I'm going to provide tomorrow? Without trying to hoard toilet paper. (laughs) Look what the Israelites did. And I think it's no different than you and I sometimes. Verse 19, then Moses told them, do not keep any of it till morning. Verse 20, here it is. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it till morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses, I think maybe God is angry with him. I told you I'd provide, do you trust me? I told you I'd provide. Why are you trying to work so hard to provide? I'll provide, I, I got tomorrow. Doesn't mean we, we don't prepare No, that's not what this is saying. What it's saying is you need to learn to get to a place where you trust that God is going to provide for you. The Bible calls him Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Our God is promised to meet your every need if you trust and rest in him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your time, with your family, with your money? I read a, we have these uh, connection cards and somebody wrote last week that, that I, I gave for the first time and, and, and I went to work the next day and got an unplanned promotion. I don't know how it worked other than Jesus. God will provide. It's a trust test. But I'm going to be honest, there's sometimes I'm like, I know you're going to provide, but I better work extra hard just in case you don't. Rest is saying, Jesus, I trust you. Psalm 46.10 says this. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. See, sometimes we live crazy busy and stillness is far from us. And then we forget that second part. Yeah, I know, I know you're God, but I got control too. This, this word still, 
uh, is, is a uh, Hebrew word, rapa. And, and, and it means this. It means we're going through life like this. White knuckling through life, hanging on, because the harder I hang on, the more that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it because I'm strong enough. Be still is a word, rapa, which means to slacken. And what the author of this psalm is telling you and I, slacken, be still. God's got this. He's stronger than any of the strength that you have in white-knuckling every part of your life. Be still and know, and know that I am God. And know that I am God. You don't have to hang on so tight. For some of you, maybe that's just a moment of freedom right there. Be still. Sit before God. Take time and rest to know him. To give him that trust. Rapa, be still. And number four, rest is for remembering. Rest is for remembering. Leviticus 23, if you flip over to there, what you see is spelled out the seven festivals of the Jewish calendar. Seven festivals. And they are these. You read about in Leviticus 23, you read about Passover. You read about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You read about the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles. I wish I had time to go through each and every one of these. Because they are powerful. We don't have time for that. I want you to go study that. But what it says in Leviticus 23, verse 37, these are the Lord's appointed festivals. Celebrate them each year as official days for holy assembly by presenting special gifts to the Lord, burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifices, and liquid offerings, each on its own proper day. What they're saying is this. God is saying, not only do I want you to honor the Sabbath and that seventh year, but I'm going to give you festivals. I'm going to give you time to stop and celebrate, to, to, to lay your sins out before God, to let him cure it, let him heal it. But more importantly, to spend time giving honor and praise and glory to God, remembering what God has done. Because many of these festivals were tied to events that God has done, provided deliverance and healing and, and freedom in their past. And what they says is stop, take time to remember what God has done. Rest. Take time to remind your family what God has brought you through. Take time to remember what God has brought you through. What God has done in you. Rest is a time to celebrate these things. We don't, we don't do all these festivals anymore. But we have holidays like Thanksgiving. Where we stop and we say, thank you God, you've done it before and I believe you'll do it again. Psalm 103, verse 2 says this, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done. Do you know how we live in this never forget part? We spend time remembering. Have you written down things in your life that God has done? Have you stopped to just say, God, look at this list. You have been so faithful to me. That is rest. It's, it's sacred. 
It's refreshing. It's trusting. It's remembering. A, a week like Thanksgiving isn't just a short week to have some time off work, though. That's great, right? Don't get me wrong. I like to eat and take time. Be with family or whatever that looks like, whether it's just you or your family. Can I challenge you this week to rest? Grab a pen and paper and begin just writing down, God's been faithful. He's been good. And maybe you, you're like, I have, I, Pastor Adam, I struggle with this a little bit because I don't have a lot of things to put on my list. Can I just tell you, he gave you life today. You got something to write. God has been faithful. I haven't been around super long, but long enough to know that I can't do this on my own. But he's been there every step of the way. He has been faithful. Do you share that with your family? That's what these festivals for in the Old Testament. Don't forget to stop and remind. God delivered us through the Red Sea. God delivered us from the Egyptians. God has delivered you. stand with me as we close we're going to sing a song that we sang at the beginning and I grew up singing and it's this song great is thy faithfulness I know I'm old school (laughs) but there's a line in there that gets me every time it says this all I have needed your hand is provided listen Do you really believe that God can provide? I've seen it. And here's what I want you to do right now. We're going to about to sing this song. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. The prayer team is going to come forward. We're going to close that way. But I want you right now to think of one thing, just one. That's all I ask. One thing that God has done. Everybody close your eyes. Think of that one thing. And when we begin to sing, great is thy faithfulness, I just want you to say, thank you, God. If that's all you have done, that's all you ever do, that's all I need. Because you've been faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Maybe you don't know Jesus today. Can I tell you that he is here for you, and today can be your day where it all begins. He said, Jesus, come. Deliver me from my sins. I'm going to pray. And when the, the, the team starts to sing, prayer team, if you come forward, I want to challenge you that you got something, anything that you need to pray with somebody about. That's what they're here for. Whether it's something I said or something you just kind of been laying on your heart, come pray with them. But I want you to worship and celebrate because this is a week we use in our calendar to remember the faithfulness of God, not just eat turkey. Pray with me, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, I have seen it over and over again in my own life that you have been faithful, that you've been the provider, you've been the one who breathes new life. As I take this time to remember right now, as each of us remember that thing that you've done, God, thank you. I pray that you would just start to breathe new life and a a refreshing and rejuvenation in each of us, that this would be a week where we just can't help but sing, great is your faithfulness, O God, our Father.
all I have needed, my hand is provided. Your hand is provided. God, I pray that you would just bring new life as we celebrate who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship together.